doesn't seem very good to start a sermon with an apology, but I'll give it a go. If you're expecting John Hall to be here talking about work this morning, you're going to be disappointed, and that's entirely an admin error on my part. I put the date in the wrong thing on the diary. So I'm totally confused because I'm talking about rest this morning. So slight change of plan. So the next few weeks, um, we finished 1 Corinthians, certainly for the time being, and I thought as we come to summer, we'd look at something totally different. So we're going to be looking at three issues of life that affect everybody, really from about the age of four, right the way up to however old you are this morning. So could we just have the video on the screen? Just watch this. Who remembers that? <laughs> Fantastic. Could you imagine advertising something now saying, this has more glucose in it than ever before? We just wouldn't do it, would we? But there are three issues that are picked up on with the Mars adverts from the 80s, and it was work, rest, and play. And they're three issues that actually we find God addresses as we go through the scriptures. So we're looking at rest. We're slightly out of order, but we're looking at rest this morning. If you've got a handout on your way in, um, we've got some of the Bible readings we'll be using actually on the handout. So I'm going to start off by reading two of them, which is Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 to 3. So if you haven't got a handout, but you've got a Bible in front of you, you might want to turn to that. And then following on from that, we're going to look at Psalm 62. So the Genesis reading, first of all. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And then Psalm 62. Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I shall never be shaken. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They will take delight in its lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I shall not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. I think what a beautiful psalm that one is. What amazing words. We'll come back and we'll look at those in a minute. We live in a world, don't we, where everything seems to be done for speed and efficiency. If you trace um, the history of technology back, apparently back in the 50s and 60s, it was thought that over the coming years, as technology advanced, we'd have a load more leisure time, a load more time for rest, and a load more time for recreation. So many of the jobs were going to become automated. You know, washing machines, dishwashers. We ditched letters probably about 20 years ago for emails. Now we're ditching emails for instant messenger because it's quicker. The microwave cuts down cooking times. 
We have instant coffee, not that that's very good, but we still have it. And all these things that are faster and faster. I was driving down the road towards um, the Trafford Centre on the other side of the ship canal. You know the road that goes past Earlham and Caddishead? And I came across this the other day. (laughs) Has anyone been? Does anyone want to own up? One hand up at the back. Greg's drive-thru. No longer do you have to walk out of your car to get your chicken tikka pasty and your yum-yum, but you can open your window and have it passed to you directly. Everything is done for speed. Yet in my experience, actually, we'll leave that on for a minute just so you can relish the thought of going there at some point. But for all this um, time saving, my experience of living, and actually what other people tell me, is that we seem more frazzled, more burnt out, more stressed, more anxious, more, I don't know, just, just longing for something else than perhaps ever before. So what are we talking about? when we're talking about rest, in terms of what God has to say about it. Well, the first thing is, it's not laziness. Laziness and rest are not the same things. I'm very good at being lazy. Clive will tell you that. You know, I can sit in front of the TV and put Netflix on and switch off. That isn't rest. Not really. It's just sort of switching off. I can spend hours messing on my iPad, looking at the news or or watching Wimbledon at the moment or whatever else it might be. That isn't what God talks about when he's talking about rest. He's actually also not talking about, you know, not doing enough work. If physically we are able to work and mentally we are able to, then work is an important part of life. And by work, I'm not just meaning going out to do paid work. I'm talking about anything that is work. Looking after children, looking after elderly relatives, looking after your house, looking after yourself, doing the gardening, whatever it is, activity, work. And if we don't have enough of work and have too much rest, life can get out of balance that way as well. But God's heart, God's heart for us very much seems to be about balance. Good rest and good work going hand in hand. Now, I just want to say before we go any further that there are times in life when actually it isn't possible to do any kind of work. When either through illness, through physical illness, through um, possibly mental health or old age or youth, it may reduce our capacity to work. God understands that. God's heart is for us in whatever situation we're in. So please don't hear what I'm saying wrong if that is your context this morning. You know, God will meet you exactly where you are. But here we go. Here's a definition for rest that we'll work with today, and then I'll get rid of that picture. Rest is time spent doing other than the work that we do. Spent doing the other. So being, not doing. Time to recoup, time to reflect, time to recover, time to re-energize, time to recalibrate in front of the Lord and with our fellow human beings. So let's have a look at what God has to say about rest. You don't have to get very far in the Old Testament to find out that rest is high up God's agenda. See how far it was you get into the book of Genesis before the idea of Sabbath comes in. Sabbath is just to be set apart, a day put aside, and it comes in the second chapter. After six days of the most fruitful work ever, what does God do? He rests. He has declared his creation very good, and he rests within his creation. The seventh day is declared holy. That simply means set apart. Set apart for something other than work. And it's interesting, if you've got that verse in front of you, look at the order that this happens. It doesn't say God made a holy day and then rested upon it. 
But it says the day is holy because of the rest. There seems to be something that is holy in itself about resting and being. It's just about being who we are in God. And rest itself is what resonates deep in the will of God for his creation. And in resting, in being set apart for a time, we are fulfilling part of God's call for the rhythm of life that is work and is rest. Those two things in balance. Did God need to rest? That's a question. Um, Did God need to rest? No. The Bible says time and time again, the God of Israel never slumbers or sleeps, the psalmist says in Psalm 121. God has no need of rest. He doesn't get physically tired. He doesn't get worn out. He doesn't get to the end of his tether and think, oh, I just need to have a sit down. God is not like that. He's not like us. But he still rests to appreciate the beauty of his creation. And as we go through the Old Testament, what we find is this this idea of Sabbath becomes enshrined in the Old Testament law. You get to Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11, and rest becomes one of the Ten Commandments. The fourth commandment is about honoring the Sabbath day, taking a day of the week for rest. I'll just read it. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. A day set apart. A day for the other. But not just for the person, but for the animals as well. I haven't told our dog that, but I might tell her that later. As the Old Testament unfolds, we find the dimension of rest increasing. And we get rather more detail as to what this resting is all about. Look at that psalm that we read. That amazing psalm 62. Verse 1, it says, My soul finds rest in God. See, rest is not just about the sun lounger on the beach of the Mediterranean or the deck chair on real promenade. It's something rather more significant. It's about my innermost being being held at peace in God who loves me and cares for me. If we don't have space and time in our lives to allow for, for rest, how do we hear God's word to us? How do we reflect in who we are in Christ? And how do we actually take the time to recover? And if we don't rest, we suffer physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. You know, there are some times when I find I get weeks when I'm on autopilot. I don't know if ever you do that. And you just find you're going, and you're going, and you're going, and you don't stop. And I found myself, when that happens, two things tend to go wrong. The first one is it becomes all about me. It becomes all about my ability to tick things off my to-do list, and God gets squeezed out. It doesn't become about his work. It becomes about my work and my sort of importance. The second thing is I just don't have a chance to hear what God is saying. I don't put that into my diary. I don't reflect. And what happens? I end up frazzled and end up worn out. We've just finished a series on 1 Corinthians, and um, like I mentioned in the notices, we're going to come back and look at prophecy again this evening. But prophecy is all about God speaking to us in the here and now, in whatever way he does that. If our life is just one long season of activity and work and doing, how do we ever hope to get into those places of stillness where God will speak to us, 
where we will still hear the small voice of God whispering to us by his Holy Spirit. Resting in God, according to the psalmist, is also a place of trust. Look at verse 6. Truly, he is my rock and salvation. He is my fortress. I shall not be shaken. When we rest, we have time to put God back in his rightful place and ourselves back under him. We haven't got time this morning, but we could trace the idea of Sabbath right the way through the Old Testament. We could then go into the 400 years, which is actually really important, between the Old Testament and the New Testament to see how people started to treat the Sabbath. Because the Sabbath got tied up with all kinds of rules and regulations. And this is what happens in the next reading. So if you've got your sheet there in front of you, we'll have a look at the Mark reading. This is Mark chapter 2, verses 23 to 27. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the cornfields, and as the disciples walked along, they began to pick some ears of corn. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David says when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. What the Pharisees were doing is they were keeping the Sabbath, but it was full of regulations of what you could and couldn't do. You know, we can make ourselves look like all kinds of things if we put regulations and rules over ourselves. I remember a long, long time ago, and it's so long ago that I was a, a teenager when this happened, and I was part of a youth group in our local church. I once remember having a conversation with a, a friend of mine, and she was, she was saying, you know, I can make myself look holy. She always, I always struck with me, me this. She said, I can make myself look holy. I can stop going out and getting drunk. I can put on holier clothes. I can make myself appear like I'm becoming like Jesus wants me to. But I can do it through saying I'll do external stuff. But actually the heart hasn't changed. The heart hasn't been transformed. The heart is not how Jesus would want it. You know, it's possible for us in our, in our Christian lives, in our Christian walk, to try and do things like that. You know, to put external things in place that make us look like we're becoming like Jesus. When the reality is far from it. See, what the Pharisees were doing, was looking like they were, they were keen on resting, keen on putting God's law into operation. Whereas actually, it was just a load of rules and regulations, and they were missing the heart of things. So in Mark chapter 2, we find this really interesting exchange between Jesus and the Pharisees. So just imagine the picture for the moment. It's a Saturday, the Pharisees, the Pharisees are on looking, and the disciples are going out for a walk in the cornfields. I don't know if you've ever done this. You're walking through cornfields and you find yourself picking the corn and you eat it and you're chewing on those pesticides or whatever it is that's on the corn. I don't know if you've ever, have you ever found yourself doing that or is it just me? So it's me and Theresa May and one other person. <laughs> but they were doing, they were going out for a walk. They were, they were just enjoying themselves, relaxing, walking through the cornfields. Yet what the Pharisees see with their eyes of legalism is something very different. They don't see a bunch of people just wandering and enjoying themselves. They see people harvesting. But there is no indication that the disciples are there on their combine harvester. 
you know, going through the fields, um, taking the harvest in. No, they're just wandering and enjoying themselves as they go. And Jesus' responses to the Pharisees is really interesting. He says, hold on a minute. You've got this idea of Sabbath all wrong. Sabbath is never meant to be a ball and chain around your ankle. It's not meant to be about rules and regulation. But it's about having the chance to be and not to do. It's about having chance to let your heart sing in the very goodness and love of God who made you. About getting time to reflect, recoup, re-energize and be. You see, Jesus very often will just go and take time off. I don't know if you've ever read through the Gospels, but how many times that actually happens. One example is Luke 5, verse 16. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed to his heavenly Father. He would go away, he would withdraw to those places of rest and reflection. So what about today? Does God call us in the 21st century to observe the Jewish Sabbath? Well, we're meeting on a Sunday today, and very early on in church history, the church met on the Sunday rather than a Saturday. Does God call us then to keep one day aside for rest? Look at what it says in Romans 14, verse 5, if you want to flick to that. Paul says, One man regards a certain day above the others, while someone else considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes a special day does so to the Lord. As you go through the history of the church, there have been loads of people who thought all kinds of different things on this. John Calvin, the great reformer, said, don't keep the Sabbath. Don't even attempt to keep a Sabbath. Because if you do that, you undermine the cross that Jesus died to free you from the law. I wouldn't agree with him. But just to say, that's what he said. Martin Luther, one of the other great reformers, said, well, the principle of Sabbath remains. But don't get all legalistic about it. That's what you're freed from. John Wesley would come in and say, well, actually, it's really important. We don't chuck out the other commandments, so why would we want to chuck out this one? You know, you don't go around murdering one another because we're freed from the law. So why would we abandon this one? Actually, I think Paul answers it better than any of them. Not really surprising, because this is the word of God, whereas the others are just human opinions. And he says, the principle remains. Jesus enshrines the principle within the gospel. It's good to rest. How we do it is really down to our own conviction. If somebody chooses to take a Sunday as a full day of rest and does it to the Lord, what an amazing thing to do. And we are to honour one another if one of us chooses to do that. But if others of us can't do that, or are unable to do that, or are convicted to take something else as a time of rest, that is brilliant as well. You know, life is far more complicated now than it was in the first century. Many of us today have work contracts that mean we have to work on a Sunday. It is just not an option for us if we want to be employed in the employment we are doing. According to some people, some of us only work on Sundays. (laughs) If today you are a parent or you're looking after elderly relatives, you can't switch off from that work on one day of a week and say, I'm sorry, I'm not cooking for you today. Sorry, the nappy change will have to wait until tomorrow. These things are just not possible. And sometimes the idea of any rest can seem just a distant hope rather than a present reality. If today you are not convicted to take particular time off, can I really really emphasize that the principle of Sabbath still needs to remain? 
That principle of rest still needs to be found somewhere in our lives if we are to honor the Lord and do what he calls us to do. If we don't, we will suffer. Mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. So let's make this a bit more practical. You know, for a number of years, I worked in an environment that was very, very work-driven. And it was normal to work 60 hours a week, over six days, including five evenings a week. And I found myself quickly buying into that kind of culture of work. Because if everyone else is doing it, it's very easy just to get sucked in and think, oh, this is okay, this is what should happen. And then I read this from Eugene Peterson. He says, I am busy because I am vain. I want to appear important, significant. What better way than to be busy? The incredible hours, the crowded schedule, and the heavy demands on my time are proof to myself and to all who will notice that I am important. That sort of cuts, doesn't it? That's from a book called The Contemplative Pastor, which um, Eugene Peterson, who did the message translation of the Bible, he writes a really sort of um, deep book about how we try and live a life that is much more reflective and less driven. Why are we busy? If today you're too busy to take rest, why? What are the reasons? You know, don't hear me wrong. God calls us to work hard and well. But there's a difference between hard work and imbalance. And going back to my own story, the effects of that work ethic were horrendous. For me, for Claire, for the family, I ended up, I got to the point where my physical body literally gave out. And for a time, I couldn't work. I had to withdraw, and I had to rebuild a very different type of life afterwards. You see, once you've been burnt by not going with God's agenda, I think it teaches the lesson quite well. God is serious when he talks about Sabbath. God is serious when he talks about the need for rest. So for me, I now build rest into my schedule. has to be there. It's not an option. It's not something I can say, oh, this is just a nice idea, but it's not going to happen at the moment. It has to be there. Now, for, for me at the moment, and I realize I'm very privileged to be able to do this, I take um, the inner part of a Friday off, between probably when the kids go to school at 9 o'clock to when they come back at 3. And that is a time not to do other work, not to start digging the garden or to do the housework, but just to, to reflect, to recover, to recoup. If you try and email me during those hours, you probably won't get hold of me. If you try and ring me, if it's an emergency, I'll, I'll, I'll answer, but otherwise, I won't. Because I need time away, time to reflect, time to be, time to do. You know, in doing that also, I realized something else. I am totally dispensable. The world carries on spinning without me. Church carries on without me. The house even carries on without me. I am saved by faith, not by works. We are all saved by faith, not by works. And God loves me just as much when I'm resting on a Friday as he does when I'm preaching on a Sunday or working on a Monday. Because he loves us, not dependent on what we do. Like I said, I know that I'm very privileged at the moment to be able to take that time. And I do consider it a real privilege. There have been times in my life when it's been much, much harder. But for you today... You know, if it's not possible to take a big chunk of time, what about taking a few hours here and there to say, this time I am switched off, I am resting, I am giving myself to being and not to doing? What about one evening a week or part of a Sunday afternoon? 
to take God's call seriously, to remember we are called to be. What about Sabbath from the mobile phone? Dare you switch your phone off for a few hours? To come off Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever you're on? Turn your emails off? Do you know how long the average person spends on um, social media at the moment per day? Anyone like to have a guess? Not quite that much. Not far off. Two hours. Do you know how that much equates to in a lifetime? Five years. Five years spent on social media. For young people, it can be up to nine hours a day. Some research has shown that it could be up to nine hours a day average. Are we going to take time to switch off? Cut the communication, if you like, with the world so we can get our communication right with our Heavenly Father. God has wired us in such a way that just like he models to us, we need rest just as we need work. Let's look at resting in God. You know, we've, talking quite, we've spoken quite a lot in recent months about our identity, about who we are. Is your identity this morning in your work? doesn't matter what type of work, paid, volunteer work, whatever it is. Is it in your function in life? Is it in your busyness? Is it in the, the identity that your work gives you or the status? Or is it in God himself? Is your identity as a child of the living God? You know, we are called into the most amazing relationship with God, aren't we, through what Jesus has done on the cross? Through the forgiveness that Jesus has brought for us on Calvary. We are called into an amazing relationship. Wouldn't it be a shame if we are so busy we miss out on all God has for us? If we just get so dragged into a world that wants us to be switched on 24-7 that we actually don't take the time to appreciate all that God has done. We are called to rest as part of the God-ordained rhythms of life. If we miss it, we suffer. If we think it doesn't apply to us, then we become less than God would want us to be. You know, it's my hope in my own life that I can actually join in with the psalmist at the end of that psalm where he says, yes, my soul, find rest in God, my hope. Expand that a bit to my identity, my purpose, my being comes from him. Just one more verse where Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Are you weary this morning? I don't just mean with the heat, but are you weary inside? Are you burdened? Are you frazzled inside? Jesus says, come to me. I will give you rest. If you'll just find your identity in me and live with these God-ordained rhythms of life. So I'm going to leave you with three questions. We'll just spend a little bit of time just in quiet as the musicians come back up. What practical steps is God calling me to take? It's great talking about rest, but if we don't actually do anything with it, it's pretty pointless. Is God calling me to do something? And then perhaps a question to ask of your current lifestyle. Do I have a godly rhythm of work and rest? And then thirdly, is my hope and identity found in Christ? So I'll just leave those on the screen for a minute. You may want to close your eyes and just be in the, the quietness, and then I'll pray for us in a moment.
my salvation and my honour depend on God. He is my mighty rock and my refuge. Lord, give us the courage to live life as you have ordained it. Give us the courage to take seriously this principle of Sabbath rest. Lord, if we need to make adjustments to our life this morning to do that, I pray that you give us the confidence and the courage to do that as well. Help our lives not to be dictated to by the culture around us, but actually by the priorities of your heart. So Holy Spirit, would you come and move amongst us, move in our hearts. Help us have ordered lives that reflect the beauty of your peace. In Jesus' name, amen.